Welcome back to Rule of Thirds, an offshoot of our Screen Refresh podcast. Our goal every episode is to take a little break from watching and analyzing movies, dive headfirst into some nostalgia, or just get a little creative. So every month we select a different topic and create a top three list that may or may not be near and dear to each of our hearts. Shoot us a message on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Screen Refresh, or send an email to screenrefresh at gmail.com to let us know what your top three are or to suggest future topics. I'm your host, Tim, and I'm joined by my dear friends and other hosts, Dean and Nick. What do you mean other hosts? It's because it's always this weird thing of like, I think of it as host and co-hosts, but then other people think as a co-host as being the, a step down from host. And it's, no, it's just, it's all three of us are equal hosts. So technically I'm both of your co-hosts. You're all my co-hosts. So I, I just said host. So you guys don't think it's like a, like a weird tier system here i didn't notice anything neither did i hello there <laughs> doesn't look like anything to me and today we're going to be taking a look at our favorite opening scenes so with that said that was our opening section <laughs> <laughs> roll credit sequence so opening scene kind of has a a lot of um discussion meaning beforehand yeah so technically a scene is any collection of um kind of moving pictures parts yeah i mean it's it's any parts in a, a sequence that are all of a similar setting theme um purpose so a scene could be one minute long a scene could be 20 minutes long so i think when we say opening scene we could have a, a lot of options out there depending on what we take as the opening scene. Did you guys think of it in terms of the entire opening like segment? Or did you literally think of it as like an opening shot situation? Neither. You said opening, so I thought you meant like box office. So No. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> it's actually Steve McQueen's bullet. Oh. <laughs> It's not really a matter of opinion. Um, it's going to be Star Wars, uh, 1977. Well, I guess you could have a favorite favorite movie opening, sure. Or it's like only shots where somebody's opening something. Yeah, I thought like you meant... Goonies opening a treasure chest or... My favorite DVD that I've opened. Oh. <laughs> Usually it's all the same kind of cellophane. It's the same experience, generally. Sometimes you get those like really nice like the collector's boxes though and then it'll be in like a sleeve oh yeah kind of like in a book i like those but i hate taking them out of the book like the alien one is like a nightmare to try to remove because it's oh yeah because it's wedged in that cardboard is that what you mean Mm -hmm. yeah yeah (laughs) so which opening did we all go with (laughs) um i i mean i went with the i looked at it as a Either it's a scene that leads to the title or the title sequence or collection of scenes that leads to pretty much anything before the classic title reveal or credits reveal is what I would consider an opening. I kind of did. Mine is, I I think the title card comes early, but it's the beginning sequence of the movie and it kind of sets the tone of what you're going to expect. I hope 
that what actually no i don't know what nick's gonna pick on this one but there was Stop one that i was gonna my stuff there was one i was going to pick and then i was like actually i don't want to use this in case nick uses it because i feel like nick introduced me to this i have no idea um to lead off i guess mine will be the 1998 movie blade that's the one <laughs> God damn it i was like hey some motherfuckers always trying to ice skate uphill nick but it really does make a huge like you're wondering what the hell is what is this and this was during the time where vampire stuff was a lot more gritty not as sparkly and not as uh romantic i guess considering vampire diaries was insanely successful but um yeah it was just like what is this and then you know being led into this underground rave thing and then you realize that oh no all these vampires are relishing in a bloodbath of like the fire sprinkler is shooting out blood and the audience proxy guy is like freaking out and then once the thing you know kind of ends and the song dwindles down you see just like one guy standing there in a black trench coat and it's like oh shit like one of the best action scenes immediately afterward amazing movie it's such a good opening it's not tracy lords at the beginning Mm-hmm. I actually kind of struggled figuring out what movie to pick. Yeah, it was so fucking tough. This one, or um, I actually don't have another one. Um, this one was the after some thinking, I actually had to look up like ideas, like you know what else. I went through the list of all the immediate movies I have downloaded and ready, and the ones that are not as easily streamed and stuff like that, and they're all like my top movies of all time kind of thing. And I didn't really see any that stood out because none of them had like amazing openings per se. But when I looked through a list, this one came up. I'm like, oh, yeah, I really did like Blade. This one was actually like, even though it's It's not my favorite of the movies, ultimately, like in my mind, when I thought opening scene, this was the first movie that came to mind because it's, well, yeah, it's Blade. It's such an awesome opening sequence of like a vampire blood rave that turns into like a one man versus all fight that it's it's disappointing that we set up comic book movies with like blade and then we kind of really get far away from that feel it was gritty while also being fun while also not taking itself too too seriously um that i think everybody's been trying to jockey for that kind of balance in a lot of things with going in too far in one direction or the other i forget that it's a marvel movie it's a legit marvel movie not mcu but it redefined the entire character too because he was a very 70s era kind of like psychic not psychedelic but like the groovy kind of outfits and all that it wasn't that like tactical gothic kind of look to what he has now and all that and they really, really changed the story completely just to modernize it. And it did so well. Like the character Whistler, played by, um, what is it, Chris Christopherson? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he wasn't even in the comic. And just the movie did such an amazing job of setting up that, you know, protege and mentor dynamic that they just adopted it and it worked. Which I at like some point, do that. I would like to do a almost like a, a vampire subseries of doing like blade queen of the damned um a couple of those for a bit for a bit but doing a couple of <laughs> those um 
just because I feel like there's a lot of fun takes on it that I I would love to talk 90 minutes on Blade. We won't do it on this yeah. episode, but in general, yes. Even on Don't Open This Podcast, I wouldn't mind talking about it. That could very well be a possibility for our Essential Vampires episode. I would mind very much. Well, you would mind? It's, we're I, three I host maximum. <laughs> Bullshit, we've done four on this show. <laughs> Blade's fucking cool. I'm wondering when they're going to finally introduce him in the MCU. They He had his teaser, they announced him, but I don't even know what yeah like they made mahershala ali like he's our blade right that was real even at the end of um spoilers for eternals even at the end of the end credits for eternals there's his voice um saying something that's supposed to be like his off-screen debut in the mcu is it really okay i never made but i guess there's also been a lot of problems (laughs) with making the movie because i guess there's been a lot of like director differences and script differences and things like that that it's been a, a bit of a troubled production right now no it's because wesley snipe shows up to every <laughs> production meeting is like you're not making this fucking movie Yo, kevin 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 my god come on come on you can only record today if you beat me nobody can beat wesley <laughs> i'm not doing anything i can i can i can come on in i can shoot a couple scenes <laughs> I think after the story of Blade Trinity, when they had to like CGI his eyes open for a scene because he refused to open them, (laughs) everybody's probably like, yeah, we're not doing that again. (laughs) Oh, I didn't know how bad that was. So I think one of you guys pointed it out. But it is so good to have him in like the cameo in um, what we do in the shadows. Wesley Snipes was in it. In season one. Yeah, they have the, the Council of Vampires. And it's all people who have played vampires in various movies. So it's like all of the Danny Trejo's there. And then all of a sudden it's just like Wesley Snipes on Zoom. But it's not like, oh, Blade. It's just like, <laughs> no, it's just Wesley Snipes. And it's like, yeah, he's also a half vampire. <laughs> so, Nick, I think Blade is an absolutely terrific choice. Thank you. I know. Just thinking about that sequence makes me want to watch Blade. I love the aesthetic, too, through the whole movie. It's oh, not yeah. one that's often done anymore, and it's like a definitely a, almost like a time capsule of the '90s, and it I miss that kind of style quite a bit. Yeah, that's my choice. Blade. So Dean, the opening I want to talk about. A couple things came to mind, um, but then I kind of like Nick. I was like, let me think about this and see what jogs my memory um i remember seeing this movie and like i feel like i immediately connected with the vibe and the tone uh i think it was the first movie i saw by this filmmaker nicholas winding rain uh it's 2011's drive with ryan gosling this makes have you guys seen this movie i did i have um yeah i mean it's the opening is just like just i guess the tense it's like a marriage of music and tension that just like really worked for me um and setting up this character in this 
small little world that I guess the movie takes place in in Los Angeles. Um, but it's just it's a real just a really cool car chase at the beginning. Um, it makes me wish there were more car chases in this movie, uh, especially since it's called Drive. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think it really set itself um, up before the movie came out as that was going to be like get ready for this vibe the whole movie and it's definitely not i still really enjoyed it but yeah like it's oh i did you too really expect it to be closer to like a baby driver situation of just like oh there's gonna be a lot of like driving and a lot of and it's like no this is kind of the main thing you get <laughs> i think that's there's like one other driving sequence and i think that's i mean there's I there's liking it for that reason because i was expecting a whole different movie because it's closer it to almost like a, a postmodern noir take at yes. that point. Yeah. Yeah. And then just... I was still on board with it. I think it's it, like it, it. The only thing it lost from the beginning was like really tense, cool driving sequences. But the rest of the vibe, I think, stayed and like it. It kept me with it. It just became one of those like. It's like the cool movie of 2011, at least for me. Yeah, it was the frame the other day and uh, made me think of just watching it, how I originally felt, and at the same time feeling like maybe I just was too harsh on it at first and it does need a revisit because of just the misleading, you're expecting the movie to be this and then it becomes something completely different. Maybe enough time has passed that if I revisit, I'll appreciate it a lot more for what it could be. I'll say this, I think the world needs more um, vicious Albert Brooks characters. Um, I think this is the first time he'd ever played a character like this. <laughs> like, just brutally criminal. Yeah, it's it's um, weird almost getting like a final season Breaking Bad Walter White version of Albert Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and Ron Perlman's good in this too. Um, everybody's Oscar Isaac has a early role in this. Oh, I forgot um, about him. I think Christina Hendricks is the um momentary femme fatale for. <laughs> you think it's going to be like she has a, a main she's, character? She's a very very tasteful death. <laughs> um, yeah, like I I immediately after this movie went out and like downloaded the soundtrack i'm like this is this is my vibe right now i mean i think everybody <laughs> after great this music. movie came out it was like <laughs> i need to go for a drive mom it's like it's, it's 11 o'clock at night i know sunglasses driving jacket. around to get Kavinsky. my scorpion jacket yeah <laughs> yeah I, I think this movie sent me down like i love like synth and like synth wave and Bring back that 80s sound, but with a modern twist to it. You do? I love it. You never mentioned it. I, I don't, we, don't, we don't talk about music that much. Well, I mean, I brought it up, and you've never really commented. I don't believe it's you. It's because it's screen refresh. and <laughs> Not ear refresh. Hmm. Um, fucking drive. Yeah, it's it's it, it just gets you... It, Sets up his vibe like he's. I want to say he's almost like on the spectrum in this movie. He has some kind of social. He seems like he has some kind of social distance 
issues. Yeah, it's it's uh, can't communicate. Yeah, totally normally with people. It's like when you think of an antisocial character, but it's not antisocial and like he hates people. It's antisocial of he doesn't really understand people, so he's yeah. always like alone in a crowded room kind of guy. It's right. I know what I do. I do it very well, and that's kind of my thing. I drive. <laughs> I can just the cinematography and like just highlights how uh, just highlights the tension and the the character moments really well. In the beginning, just a cool opening, and that's why I chose it. There's lots. My mind went to a lot of places, and I looked at those lists. A lot of those lists that Nick you might have looked at. I don't know if Tim you do that kind of research or not, but. There were several movies that just propped up on every list. I'm like, yeah, I can see why this is, but none of them were like. I have also seen the Dark Knight. Me. Thank you, Buzzfeed. <laughs> and the Lion yeah. King. Glorious <laughs> bastard. Pulp Fiction. I know. Um, I think we all read that article. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of movies overall that I think have great opening scenes and opening sequences that it was really tough to decide on a specific one but there are a number of ones that i think of as like iconic that i just didn't want to use because it's like i could say jaws jaws is an iconic opening sequence it's yeah that that scene everybody knows that scene like the score all of that building up she gets the tug she gets pulled underwater so i wanted to try to go with maybe some other things the movie i ended up picking is also probably kind of predictable so i had a backup one um that people might not immediately have thought of but the movie that i was she doing two picks no but yes (laughs) tim always has an audible mention dean we're on like season three at this point (laughs) so the the movie that i did pick is the opening to wes craven's scream that was a good one, yep. Because that's a heartbeat. That opening sequence, that's a synthwave heartbeat. But that opening sequence is at this point, like it became iconic, and it's a one that got parodied. It's one that got copied. It's one that's homaged in so many things since the '90s because of that of the Drew Barrymore getting the call, just walking around her house, and the do you like scary movies and all of that stuff that then escalates and escalates and escalates and then if you're not watching the tv version the kind of the graphic uh opening of all of that that i think is a great way to set up the entire story of scream for that movie and also was kind of a nice shot to the arm for wes craven of Yes, I'm not just doing Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm not just doing some of these other things. I've delved into like Serpent and the Rainbow. I've delved into some other options. But now Scream was kind of the I'm back and welcome to the 90s kind of situation for him. Um, That I think it just showed that he's not a... He's not going to be known for just kind of one big series and be overshadowed by Freddy. It's He has a great body of work around him. So I think scream was a great opener overall 
Scream was a really good yeah. refreshment to to the slasher genre. Oh yeah, and it gave a huge breath of life into it. That instead of it's just like maniacal supernatural thing chasing down one victim, and then just it's that person always survives and they kill them, or did they? And this one was a nice kind of throwing it over. It's you know turning everything upside down and really changing it up. It was really well done. You know, I don't it's like very meta much. too. Yeah. And like, I'm not a one for slashers, but this one, if anything, I would think would probably be my favorite out of the list because it just, it breaks the mold. It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of brazenly like, here's how horror movies go. And I was like, here's how this is not going to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, it does follow a formula in a way where it's, we, we have the group of people and they are the target and they are the ones that start dying. But, um, yeah, with the opening alone. I am I the only one? Nick, did you see that in the theater? No, we were. Too well, you young saw it in theater. I actually was. I did. Yeah, somebody, a uh, group of, I think my cousins and stuff took me to see that. I went along with them to see that. I actually saw it in the theater. Wait, when, when did it come um, out? It's like ninety six. We yeah. were like, damn, ten. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah, young. You shouldn't have been there. But <laughs> well, they they let me. <laughs> Let me in. My you first rated R for a lot of people was Air Force One. At I mean, rate, 1997. You, so that was that was definitely. Uh, I think we were a little too young for that. Parents can bring any age kid they want to a movie. It's just whether they should or not. Yeah, that's true. Um, they were so preoccupied. Yeah, my. Never mind. If I was ten, then my sister would have been twenty. So she would have been. Old enough to bring me to the movie. Hey, baby, said Dean. No, fine. I'll just bring him with me. It was gory as fuck. I don't remember how exactly I reacted, but I was definitely probably scared. <laughs> but I think, as far as horror stuff, I'm more scared by like paranormal, supernatural stuff than I know it's just people, real people. Just there, you have jump scares. I guess it's it's less so like dread than it is. Like, I don't know. People jumping up. Well, also, I think because Scream itself is such a meta film and kind of it's the kind of turn, not necessarily turning the the slasher genre on its head, but it's taking a lot of the tropes and taking a lot of things that if you're familiar with it, you can enjoy it. But also you kind of know what to expect coming up next of, oh, he's going to be behind this door. Oh, there's going to be a face in this mirror kind of stuff. Um, that I think is a lot more predictable with a lot of the slasher stuff um, overall. Also, there's nothing to be afraid of with Ghostfacing as you just watch him eat shit every time he like runs downstairs in all of the <laughs> yeah. movies. Yeah, yeah. Even Drew Merritt, she gets good some good hits on him like when she's Which it, it always makes away me from laugh because it's like they'll hit him and then it's like, oh, they fall down. And then it's, okay, then... He dropped his knife. He's laying there. You can keep hitting him. It's fine. Like it's kind of a pushover. You you knocked him down already accidentally. So something about that shot is cool too, though. When she's running towards camera and he catches up with her and just like they're like in mid close up and he just stabs her in the chest. Yeah, although like you can very obviously tell he's trying to like yeah. get the knife in the right spot for them to do like the blood thing. And... Hang on, stop struggling it was a nice subversion of expectation 
too, considering that she's she was people knew who she was at this point, you know. Yeah, I mean, it it's very like, it's the 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 Hitchcock psycho approach of yeah, give a famous him. face people know. Yep, let's kill him first. Yeah. It was a decently long sequence too, right? It was like ten minutes, like the whole opening. Yeah, was it? Something like that. It does take a while to cook I, popcorn. You spend a lot of time and like kill her off. They they um, had it on Netflix for a while, or they had it on something for a while. Um, it might have been like Shutter TV or something. But I remember um, when I worked um, at a bank years ago, I was close enough that when I went on my lunch break, I could go back home and eat lunch at home. So I would sit in my kitchen and I would, didn't have long enough to really like get into anything. So I would always just like flip scream on while I'm sitting there and just like making a sandwich. And all I would have time to do is just watch the opening sequence. And then I had to like get ready to leave and go back to work. So for like months, all I would end up being able to watch is just the <laughs> opening sequence. And then it just like does the, the scream and the smash cut to like the thing. And then I'd just be like, okay, time to go. Got to get back to work. <laughs> um, you know how what Matt Lillard and Freddie Prince Jr. made like five movies together? Uh, yeah, hey, something like that. It would have been nuts. What if? Why didn't they cast Freddie Prince Jr. instead of Skeet Ulrich <laughs> to be the ki- the main killer in this movie? That would have well, been. I feel crazy. like then it would be tough for them to pitch all of these other things of. The two of them together as like these buddy things, and then it's like, you remember that time both of them played? Well, spoiler for Scream, but you guys had time. Um, you remember this time both of them played the serial killers? <laughs> Hello, Sydney. Which is actually the second time Matthew Lillard played a serial killer. Serial first time was in Scooby Doo. First time was in Hackers. His name was Serial Killer. Oh. C E R E A L. That Captain Crunch. That was his man. hacker name. Yep. That Captain Crunch. Hackers is a movie I'm going to pick uh, up at some point someday. How many times in the movie Hackers does somebody say, I'm in? I don't know. Too many times. At least once. <laughs> I also just remember. I'd be, disapp- <laughs> say I'd be disappointed if it wasn't at least one time. I also remember that the opening in Hackers, they end up playing the uh, On and On by Halcyon. That The first time I watched Hackers, I heard it. And I was like, it's the song from the end credits of Mortal Kombat. <laughs> when like everything's done <laughs> and that like, bah, 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 and all of a sudden he pops out of the building. <laughs> My buddy just told me this weekend, he's like, Every time I feel like I'm heading to hang out with you, Halcyon on and on comes on. <laughs> it's like it's like our Mortal Kombat theme song. That's funny you bring it up. So I did mention that there was a second thing that I had in my head. Um, oh, yeah. And it's because I did see this in theaters in 2009. And it always stuck with me as interesting. Because it is a very long opening sequence. I think it's like, I don't know, something like uh, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, something like that. I thought you but didn't like the, the Dark Knight. <laughs> I didn't. It's the, the remake of Friday the 13th called Friday the 13th. Because the entire opening sequence 
is these kids end up like going and they say like oh there's supposed to be like a a pot farm somewhere here so we're gonna go camp out and try to find it and it cuts to like one of them going looking for the farm and then the other one's kind of shacking up and the other one's going to investigate and everything and then they end up like finding jason and he's bumping them off and it's kind of the entire sequence then ends with him attacking the last person that smash cuts to friday the 13th that you start thinking that oh all of these kids are the main characters and then it's all of them are gone and you open the movie of no this was just a short film to open the actual movie but in its essence it's just a boiled down entirety of a friday the 13th film that i think is just kind of fun and works well is this the 2009 movie you're talking about overall i mean i think it's a a fun sequel i ain't never seen two yeah you should it's a slasher movie so you would be perfectly fine watching it is that the michael bay movie uh yeah because i think platinum dunes put it out that's his line that's yes he's He's a producer, but how much did he produce? We'll never know unless we talk. I don't recall any explosions. (laughs) Actually, maybe one. I don't remember. But I was there a low angle with Jason like flying a helicopter over top of somebody (laughs) through Miami. (laughs) (laughs) Was there an orange filter over top of any? Yeah, there was the giant Miami sign that he flies past. (laughs) Okay. Sorry to digress again. Super authentic. Oh wait, no wait. Yeah, I already told you guys. Never mind. Or you told me. But for our listeners, I tell you, I told you guys. Uh, The uh, Nick mentioned we play a game called Framed, where you're presented a series of six frames from a movie, and each frame gets easier to tell which movie it's from. Well, the first one today, I think it was today was from the movie chef um and it, it's that shot of like it's like miami and like a plane flying over it i'm like oh it's got to be bad boys because i feel like that for some reason is iconic to bad boys and then i come to find out that has been in several movies like in the transporter 2 maybe just a couple other references but that sign doesn't even exist that is not a real sign anywhere Somebody just invented it to establish that they were going to Miami in the movie. Um, but I don't. Why, but why several movies decided that? Like, oh, we're just let's just do that. They're completely unrelated movies. Here's your like, damn yeah, establishing we'll use this shot. fake meme. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me want to do that. Put that in the movie, but it's like um, it takes place in like Minnesota. It's like, Duluth, it's like Duluth. <laughs> opening sequence of just somebody being like yeah i bought that sign a couple years back it's a big fargo sign a plane a little biplane like propeller plane flying over it yeah that's just it was a crazy revelation that happened today so yeah so i think the friday the 13th it's a fun little boiled down shortened version of it that if you dig friday the 13th or you dig slasher movies it's 
a fun 15 minutes of just getting everything out of the way there seeing as there's not a lot of character development in all these movies anyway so it's not like you really need all that time to breathe um but that one also just came to mind because it always it blew my mind in college freshman year seeing in theaters and being like what and now the title sequence (laughs) so they couldn't could they (laughs) So I, I think there's definitely a lot of movies that could fit this bill and come to mind, but I'm sure at some point we'll do other ones as well. I'm about to list all ten of my runner-ups after the credits. Was it going to be Blade Runner? Just the interview with um, <laughs> Brian James? No. When he's just going back and forth to determine if he's a replicant? He's like, tell me about your mother. Let me tell you about my mother. And then he shoots him or whatever it was. <laughs> it's an iconic no. opening sequence. It is pretty good. You, you're in the desert. You see a turtle on its back. Why won't you help it? I hate turtles. <laughs> it's the, it's the opposite response. of whatever the... Uh, that other kid said <laughs> i hate turtles i hate turtles okay <laughs> so any last thoughts before we wrap this thing up uh i was gonna say researching made me look at also the opening to x2 and i was like oh yeah i remember that was an awesome opening sequence and i went back and watched it i'm like oh yeah it is cool but it's not because isn't that the whole bit with Nightcrawler in like the White House or something? Yes. Which is definitely cool. Yeah. But um, it just wasn't enough to be like, yeah, this is, this is cracking my, my list. My uh, runner-up. My list of one. My runner-up was Star Wars. Because it is a very iconic establishing shot with the blockade runner then the star destroyer flying you know over it and just the sense of scale and at the time of release nothing was like that before so by all means it definitely was one of the most uh eye-opening sequences that came out around that point in time i think the music could have been better i mean yeah it wasn't iconic and (laughs) long-lasting enough (laughs) That's what I say every time everybody goes to John Williams live in person. <laughs> he should have got Danny Elfman at the time. I don't care how old young he would have been. <laughs> <laughs> okay, gang. That wraps up another episode of Rule of Thirds, and we'd like to thank you for coming along in our ride and discussing our favorite opening scenes. As always, you can reach us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Screen Refresh, or shoot an email at it screenrefresh at gmail.com to let us know what your top three are or any other topics you want to hear us discuss that's it for us so for nick and dean this is tim have a great week and catch us next on screen refresh first monday of the month and catch us on catch us catch me on uh, our sister podcast don't open this podcast if you're into horror every second and fourth monday (laughs) 